Welcome back to a late episode of COP, but still on time to be in our sci-fi month. Matt chose the last movie, and that was a 1997 satire sci-fi movie, Starship Troopers. Matt, how are you doing? Um, You know, if I had to give a bag rating for how well I'm doing, you mm-hmm. know, I'd I'd say like three, three, three bags. Okay. Run-of-the-mill happiness? Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, I'm just getting, I'm just getting scraping by, basically. Aren't we all? We're just two lost souls, Matthew. Yeah, I guess you could say that. <laughs> That's really poetic. Matt, someone should write a song with that as a lyric, I think. I, I, I agree. Why did you pick this movie? Uh, well, it looked pretty cool. And, mm-hmm. well, it's directed by Paul Verhoeven. Uh, apologies if I mispronounced that. But uh, he did RoboCop. Mm-hmm. Uh, what else has he done? He did... Um, Total Recall. Did Total Recall. Basic Instinct. Basic Instinct. So, he, you know, he knows his stuff. Mm-hmm. I know that this movie has been kind of divisive uh, at release and I guess in the years since. And it has developed a cult following. So I figured, you know, it fits the theme. I've been kind of interested in watching it. Let's see what it's all about. Yeah, more sci-fi than Attack of the Killer Tomatoes, I'd say. Yeah, that one was a mistake, guys. I apologize for that one once again. (laughs) Matt, what is this movie about? So basically what you have here is, I think they're in the 23rd century. And what has happened is that humans have expanded into space. But they've had a little trouble on the far side of the galaxy from a species called the arachnids, which they call the bugs. Basically, they're these huge, giant bugs, and they're impeccable at killing, and they just rip you apart. And that's posing a problem because, you know, we got to expand. You know how it is. All right, they're in the way. Well, well they're quote-unquote sending asteroids to, to Earth. Yeah, so what happens is that uh, they, they can shoot their spore into space, and supposedly, yes, they're sending asteroids uh, to hit Earth, which they are, but what you have to keep in mind is that the bugs don't have any, or seemingly don't have any intelligence. They're basically just animals, and they don't have any society. Like, they just live in the Badlands with, mm-hmm. when there's, like, no water or food. I don't even know what they're eating. <laughs> but uh, so what you get here is um, three pals, uh, Johnny Rico, his girlfriend Carmen Ibanez, and his friend Carl Jenkins. They decide, let's join up into the Space Marines. And we're going to take the fight to them. <laughs> and it chronicles their careers because honestly, I don't know how over how long this movie takes place, but it. A somewhat significant amount of time and we see how uh how they do yeah pretty much uh what did you think of it i like this movie okay and i liked it more even more than i thought it would okay here's the thing with this movie basically it's a military sci-fi action kind of comedy and it's a satire mm-hmm. okay and honestly, I think on touching in all of those genres, it does each satisfactory, yeah. at the very least. At best, uh, it's doing a really good job, okay? Here's the deal with this movie. Basically, and I, we should give a little bit, uh, a little bit of context, because I think the backstory is interesting, okay? So this is based off a 1959 novel by Robert Heinlein who is a famous science fiction writer. He wrote Stranger in a Strange Land. Uh, he wrote this is one of his bigger works. And when the book came out, and the plot is, is somewhat similar to my understanding, but when that book came out, it was criticized at the time for, being, for containing what some perceived as fascist I- ideology, 
like a, an excessive uh, I guess you could say uh, an excessive promotion of militarization and mm. other right wing right wing things that people don't like in general. Um, so what Verhoeven did was he actually said he wrote or sorry, he read the first few pages of the novel uh, and then quit. He said, and I quote, it was so boring. It really is quite a bad book. I asked Ed Neumeyer, who's uh, his co-script writer, to tell me the story because I couldn't read the thing. It's a very right-wing book, end quote. So what Paul Verhoeven did is that he decided to satirize the elements that you know people critique of the original book. So what you get here is basically... Um, a two-hour send-up of, like, foreign policy, of jingoism, of, of American, you know, invasion of places where they don't belong. Um, and I think it all does it pretty well, for the most part. There, yeah. It's, it's got a couple of things. The thing with this movie that I should also mention is that it's very cheesy, okay? And this is, like, the big... Actually, I'm going to touch on the criticisms right now, because I kind of agree with them. The first criticism that I see a lot of people lob against this film is that the acting's bad. Okay? It's not great. Uh, yeah. The two leads here, it's it's Casper Van Dien, who is basically only known for this movie, I think. Uh, um, and, and uh, yeah, James Bond movie. He was in a James Bond movie? Oh, Casper Van Dien. Sorry, I got their name. I got mixed up. Sorry. No, not him. He was in nothing else, really. I looked at his IMDb and... Nah, that was it. This is all he's got. Yeah. Um, eh, man, he's talk about a physical specimen. I mean, he looks like he was made in a lab, but... Uh, oh, yeah, he, he's Giga Chad. He's just so, so Chadly. It's, just, it's hard to believe. Um, he's, he's a little flat. Like, you know, he does an okay job. Um, he basically does the bare minimum that I require for a film protagonist for the movie to be watchable. And then you get Denise Richards as his girlfriend. Uh, she's also kind of flat, but in a different way. She's, like, flat in a really cheery way. Look, they're both beautiful people, okay? Um, but they're just... They're not that great at acting, to be quite honest. I honestly haven't seen too many Denise Richards pictures, but it's whatever. There's some decent side work, though. I actually like Neil Patrick Harris's Carl Jenkins. He's not great in it, but it's just <laughs> kind of fun. It's funny to see him in, like, an SS-style uniform. I mean, yep. there's your charm there. Clancy Brown is in it. You know, people know him as Mr. Krabs and in <laughs> actual other film roles, but I know him as Mr. Krabs. Um, so, yeah, the acting is... It's so-so, okay? Uneven at best. Um, very cheesy at worst. Here's the reason why I don't really mind that, Okay? The whole movie really has this feel of a send-up. But I can see how people can kind of miss that. Now, that's not to say that this movie is like a genius satire. And if you didn't like it, that you misunderstood the purpose of the film. But I think what Mr. Verhoeven was going for here was like the sort of cheesy tone that you would get in a sort of propaganda film. Or a kind of film that is just meant to be promotion um for recruitment or for enlisting or so on and so forth another interesting tidbit about this is that he actually said that the first scene of the film which is famous uh for that little bit where the <laughs> lady says i'm doing my part and the little kid says me too um he said he adapted that shot for shot from triumph of the will mm. which, which is a 1935 nazi propaganda film um and that kind of that kind of idea of, um, of, of fascism um, in a sort of cheery tone or presented in a, in a fashionable way um, is done pretty well in the film. They, once again, they have like SS-style uniforms or like Gestapo-style uniforms. Yeah. Like they're just gray and the insignia is very similar. Um, so it's very clearly, I think, meant to evoke this idea that what's going on here is not something you should celebrate. But I'll digress. I'll let you take a moment here. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I, I, I've seen like a lot of people 
say, uh, you know, this movie is just a celebration of fascism, yada, yada, yada. It's like they completely miss the point. I mean, there's even, like, comedy sketches sprinkled in where they have this fake news station. Well, I, fake, it's... I, Fake in the movie, like it's not real. Not Fox News or something. Federation News, FedNet or something. Yeah. Um, they have those little scenes, and they're straight up comedy scenes. Like they're obviously supposed to be funny, and like, oh look, look at this, uh, look at the silly propaganda. But then it's based off real propaganda that works. Um, I mean, that's that's pretty um, pretty clear that it's. It's uh, satirical, but oh well. I mean, you're talking about the actors and the performances. Like, yeah, I agree. Um, Johnny is pretty flat. He can do angry pretty well, but anything with a bit of nuance, not really there. And um, Denise Richards, she's kind of just teary-eyed all movie, like doing puppy eyes. Um mm. That's that's all she's really doing. Yeah, I agree. Not much there. I, Johnny straight up looks like Hitler's youth. Uh, I'm pretty sure both of them are bl- blue-eyed. And he has, like, the f- perfect Aryan haircut. Uh, like, dirty blonde, too. I, I'm. It has to be... Uh, that has to be why he chose, chose him for the role. Uh, well, partially, anyways. Um, oh, yeah. And I... I- Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go, go, go for it. Just another quick tidbit is that uh, I was reading that Verhoeven wanted actors who are younger, because they're supposed to be high school age, which is just laughable. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the funniest thing ever. Like, when people say that Hollywood cast way too old, like, sometimes I disagree. That in this case, yeah, like, I couldn't believe that they were trying to pass them off as high school <laughs> students, but whatever. They're only in high school for, like, 20 minutes. Although they do play the whole runaround here with a love triangle and a football game. Yep. And uh, a college school dance. Do with this test scores. Yeah, that, that was funny. I think I think he wanted to send up like this whole high school, American high school film type thing just in the beginning of the movie. But it is what it is. Um, the thing that's really interesting to me about this movie is the line arises between parody and sincerity. Okay, because the thing with the movie is that. Well, it's it's there's a lot of satire, but the plot it comes off straight faced in the sense that you know you're supposed to get invested in the characters and you're supposed to you know involve yourself in this interstellar war and it's supposed to matter, and the movie does a good job of doing that. Um, the first part I would maybe see like the first half or maybe the first act of the film is is a lot heavier on the more comedic aspects than I would say the latter half of the film. Which there's yeah. a stark divide, especially in the last at about the midway point of the film, because what has happened is that they all enlist. Um, Carmen becomes a pilot. Um, Johnny becomes just a uh, infantry grunt, and then Carl, because he's a psychic, and this is in a world where psychics are come are rising up, um, he gets enlisted into intelligence. You don't see him much until later on in the film. But what happens is that a meteor hits Buenos Aires, which is where they're all from, and it, and it destroys the whole city, and it kills everyone in it, and their parents are dead. Johnny, at that point in the film, was on his way out, uh, and then he decides to re-enlist, and then basically the last half of the film is, is fighting the bugs. Um, the movie's action, I think, is genuinely good. Okay? I like war movies. And I think this movie captured the feel of the war movie pretty well. There's two things I really like. Uh, or there's a couple things, actually. Number one, I think the effects, uh, they su- hold up surprisingly well. Okay? This movie is 24 years old. And the CGI, honestly, you could like just do a quick remaster of this and put it in theaters now. Yeah. Like, you can tell like when a monster picks up a guy... You can see, okay, now that guy has gone from a regular person to a CGI person. Yeah. But it's not, like, nearly as jarring as a lot of stuff from the era is now. Uh, it all looks fine, honestly. I was, I, was, I was damned impressed. I don't know if I... I don't think I saw a remastered cut. Uh, 
you know, I got mine from the local blockbuster. I just rented it. So whatever copy they gave me is what I got. But the effects are great. Okay. The action is good. And, and funny the whole time. Because what the combat consists of is the bugs, basically, <laughs> they're killing machines. They can kill, like, ten guys in a second. So what happens is they <laughs> they send, like, a whole platoon in... They'll spend like five minutes each, like with five guys shooting. And they, another funny thing is that they just have endless clips. Oh yeah. And they just they're just holding the trigger down, and then they just <laughs> shoot the monsters for like five minutes each. And then when more than like three of them appear at a time, they're like, "Hey, let's fall back." Um, <laughs> logistically, it makes no sense because there's a scene in the film where they bomb all. They they bomb like a whole herd of the bugs and you're thinking, why don't they just do that all the time? Why even send <laughs> the guys up? But I think that's meant to be satire of how, you know, you, you get recruits, you put them in boot camp, you throw them out. And then if they get fed to the grinder, then, you know, it's just as long as something's clogging it up, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, but the action is still like, it's pretty arresting most of the time because like, I mean, you're really on the edge of your seat because the monsters really at any time can just stick out a pointy appendage and just stab one of your favorite characters through the head. Uh, so I enjoyed all that part sincerely. I think as an action film, it genuinely works. Yeah, the action's great. The effects are great. Um, Phil Tippett, uh, his company... Um, did the special effects for it and he co-produced and supervised the special effects he also worked on star wars and the movie does kind of have that star wars look there's only um there's one shot in particular that looks really bad and um it's after carmen's like i'm gonna go join uh the air force yada 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 johnny's like i'm gonna stay behind well you know, message me, okay? She steps onto this little subway, and then the camera is from the point of view of behind Johnny, looking at Johnny and um, and Carmen, and then the subway just blasts off, and it it goes from being real to being CG and then being shrunk, mm-hmm. and it, it looks so bad. They do the same thing in the first episode of Deep Space Nine, and it's it has not aged well either. But the bugs look so good. I have a VHS copy of this movie, and the great thing about VHSs and old movies is you kind of can just blur out those imperfections. Mm-hmm. Um, the VHS is truly the the new remastered. <laughs> Throw that in, you'll never know. Throw Toy Story in on your um, five inch CRT. You don't need no remaster. Um, Bugs look great. I like the variation of bugs that they have. They have, like, the grunts, which have, like, the weirdest anatomy ever. It's, like, a a, a stapler remover. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Staple remover. Um, And with, like, eyeballs where the two joints connect, they look so odd. Like, they should not be able to function, but they do. Uh, there are these big uh, beetles that can spit acid. There's a great shot where it does just that. It spits acid at these... Or it's like acidic flame. I couldn't tell. It's something weird. Uh, and it just Napalm. vaporizes... Napalm. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and uh, just uh, eviscerates these two guys and melts away. Then there's these little little grunt guys that carry around the brain bugs which we find out about uh some air cav bugs they're all great they'll look really good um the uniforms too the costuming it's all great in this movie um like you said the ss style stuff it's so it's so apparent and and uh neil patrick harris's blonde hair and i think blue eyes as well like they're really they're really going for it the Mm -hmm. um the whole ESP thing, I feel like that might have been, like, a reference to all the weird otherworldly experiments the Nazis did as well. Like, mm-hmm. they they kind of dipped their hands into that sort of stuff, so maybe that's what it was. But it is, like, in the totality of the movie, it's a weird, like, 
not even sci-fi, but this fantasy thing. Like, I guess, I guess it could be sci-fi, but I don't know. They'd have to sell me on that. How it's use it. What are you going to say? I was going to say, it's one of those things where it's like, it's the future. I, I noticed that a lot of films do that. Dread did that too, where just mm-hmm. in the future, there are psychics that are <laughs> that abound, which I guess you could say just like a con- consequence of human evolution is that the next thing we'll be able to do is talk with our mm, minds kind of thing. Maybe, yeah, yeah, could be. Um, and going back to the actors real quick, Michael Ironside is also in this movie. Mm. Um, he plays... Um, Johnny's teacher, and then later, I forget what rank he was, lieutenant or something like that. He's a lieutenant later in the the film that mentors Johnny, and then he dies. Johnny has to take his place, you know, the drill. Um, but he says a line in this movie, and he looks like the camera zooms right up on him, and he says, they sucked his brains out. It's after they discover an outpost that has been taken over by the bugs and then abandoned... And there's some guys left with big holes in their head and head doesn't have it much in it. And he says they sucked his brains out. Camera goes right up to him. And I was, I'm not sure if it was supposed to be a reference to scanners or not, which Michael Ironside is in. And he has this famous line where he says, I'm going to suck your brain dry. Um, I, I don't know. The movie came out six years before uh, Starship Trooper, so it is possible. I haven't seen Scanners. You know, that would have been a good pick for this month. Yeah, next year. We got to wait a whole year to do it? Yeah, we can't do it another week. Damn it. Okay, fine. <laughs> deal. deal. <laughs> it is what it is. Um, I, I like Michael Ironside in this too, by the way. In the beginning of the movie, he's just their teacher. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, Rico, you know shape up he's he's that teacher and then you find out later on that he saves rico's life after it looks like he's about to get killed by a bug and then it's uh rat checks rat um roughnecks Mm -hmm. the platoon that they join up with and they're doing the combat at the end of the film yeah i said it was pretty good um the thing that okay one thing i can agree with and another criticism with the film, um, besides the bad acting, is that, like, the movie's cheesy. And I think there's a reason for it. And I'll get into a little bit why later on. But I can get why people can be sort of, like, uninvested in it because it comes off a little goofy. I don't know, though. It didn't really bother me. When I was watching the movie, like, in the last half of the film, when things are ramping up action-wise, I don't know, I was invested. When, um, spoiler alert, Dizzy dies, which is um, Johnny Rico's sort of love interest after him and Carmen break up when they're away. She gives him a Dear Johnny letter. Um, I thought her death was, was actually kind of touching. I don't know. I, just, I didn't expect it to touch me as much as it did, but it was... Um, I, I was... I was almost a little embarrassed to be as uh, <laughs> into this movie as I was. I'm sorry to say. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I mean, I could see that. It is pretty like emotional and how they frame it too. Like it's it's one of the more serious uh parts of the movie for sure. I think the movie has genuine emotional maturity. Like it's mm-hmm. goofy for sure, but like it's it's really hard to ride that line. When you're trying to make a comedic film and you're trying to, you know, inject a little drama naturally, as almost all comedic comedic films have. But, like, the characters feel fleshed out enough or dimensional enough that when bad things happen to them, like, it kind of stings or it kind of, you know, it feels significant. Things hold weight in this movie, even with as however many people die in this, which is a lot of them dudes get snapped in half like maybe like 20 times in this movie um but it it just worked for me as a just a genuine picture even besides the funny haha stuff yeah like the the character stuff but more so for me um the big the thing that hit me the hardest was the discovery of like the brain bugs Mm -hmm. because what that implies is that they really, the bugs probably had no prior intelligence 
before humans came, so, and then they'd be used for the brain bug. Because the brain bug sucks the human's brain, so it gets all their memories, all their knowledge, and then it shares it with the rest of the bugs. Before the humans came, they probably were... Um, they probably weren't structured at all, because they are now. They all seem to follow this brain bug, and they have, like, coordinated attacks. They plan a little trap in the outpost, send out the mayday, and then they come and bugs swarm them. So they they obviously now have some structure, which they couldn't have had without the humans being there. And that makes me think... Or made me thought the first time that the bugs did not send asteroids um, to attack Earth. I I think it just happened um, by itself. I think the asteroids just for some other reason just came and struck Earth. I agree. Like, or well, they show that they can shoot the spores into space, or that the meteors are coming from there. Um, so maybe you're right. I think it just happened accidentally. <laughs> the whole thing is that there's a couple of hints in the movie, uh, some not so subtle ones that, uh, you know, w- they aren't really justified in invasion, invading, um, their planet. Although, you know, a little, a little bird told me that they do have weapons of mass destruction. So we need to <laughs> infiltrate and we need to, we need to take them out and this has to be taken care of now. But yeah, okay, that's, it's an easy critique of, of U.S. foreign policy, which is, you know, shoot uh, foreigners first, ask questions never. Um, <laughs> and it works because the bugs, as like this, as this like opponent incapable really of strategy or like incapable of like true maliciousness, it, it becomes obvious that they're fighting a war basically for nothing. Yeah. Uh, and you know, in a sense, that really, that really, that that sense of like pointlessness pervades the whole film, and well, that's the reason why the movie has that feel of a recruitment film because, you know, it's a lot harder to recruit people if you can't just easily explain to them why they should be putting their lives down on the line for something they don't even really understand. Do you think that Michael Ironside's character was just a teacher? And then after Buenos Aires um, was hit, he became a lieutenant. Or do you think that he was always enlisted and he was just um, hired at the school to like spread propaganda? Uh, that's a good question. Well, I, I, I think the implication is that he was enlisted beforehand. Um, he's missing a limb and something you'll see throughout the film is that many characters are missing limbs or have prosthetic mm-hmm. limbs because the bugs are just that incisive that way. Um, and they just really just like to snip, snip, snip. Um, so I think what happened is just he re-enlisted after, you know, the attack. It's like, it's that kind of classic wartime scenario when, you know, something hits home and you really know that uh, we got to get all men up front to mm-hmm. defend the homeland. Um, why, was he trying to recruit people? I don't know. I think he genuinely believed in the cause and he may have let that affect his teaching or may have let, uh, that influence what he said to the kids. I don't think he was actively trying to recruit though, because I mean, they don't say how many kids enlist after, but they mention, and like all of the main cast do, but it doesn't seem like a significant enough portion for it to be like. Um, something where they could have really manipulated things so that kids all go. Another thing that's kind of overlooked in this, I should mention, um, and I think is bigger in the novel, is that you find out that you need to have military service to become a citizen. So Mm -hmm. there's a distinction between a civilian and a citizen, and basically a citizen has rights and a civilian doesn't. (laughs) Um, A civilian can have children, apparently, is a restriction. Um... A, or sorry a citizen can um there's just a bunch of other things that basically they can vote do, yeah they give you more freedom the vote thing was a big criticism of the novel at the time was that you need military service to vote people thought that was incredibly fascist coming from Heinlein. <laughs> uh, 
so yeah, uh, that's that's another aspect that's great in in terms of satire. They're they're basically you know coercing people to enlist by giving them more rights if they do. So, yeah, it is what it is. Yeah, we're not telling you to. It's your choice. But just think of the consequences if you don't, <laughs> and consider them gravely. Okay. Oh. But Ratchek was uh he was he was a good character. There's actually some decent uh. There's some decent. I like Clancy Brown as like the initial drill instructor. He's, he's like the Arlie Ermy of this film. Um, they even have um, Hank Schrader in this movie. Yep. Of <laughs> Breaking Bad. Sussy Baka. Um, <laughs> I was gonna say he's been he's been pre- prevalent among internet memes and stuff lately with the Sussy Baka thing, and with the one picture where he's smiling and then he isn't. Uh, yeah, he's in this as uh, just a random commanding officer. Um, he's the dude cool. from Grade Mile too. Which guy? Um, his, the character's name is Zim. He's played by Cla- that's Clancy Brown. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yes. Yeah, see, I should have mentioned uh, that. I should have mentioned that film instead of uh, SpongeBob. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he's also Doctor Neo Cortex in the Crash Bandicoot franchise. Mm. Oh, and here's here's something s- semi interesting. He plays Lex Luthor in the DC animated universe. Michael Ironside plays Darkseid in the DC animated universe. Reunion. Mm. <laughs> A little reunion. Well, I think this would have been. It might have been before. It would have oh. been around the same time. It was in the nineties. It was all in the nineties. Who cares? But um, pre-union. Pre- <laughs> the pre-union. <laughs> yeah. Classic, of course. Um, there's one thing I wanted to mention. Uh, there's one scene that really stood out to me towards the film. Uh, or to- sorry, towards the middle of the film. So what happens is Dizzy dies, which is, once again, uh, re- Johnny's love interest. And they convene at her funeral again, uh, which is Johnny, Carmen, and Carl. And they've all progressed. Johnny has become hardened, especially by the death of Dizzy, and he's all... He's all business. Carl, he talks about having to gamble hundreds of lives every day. Um, Carmen just stands there and she has the puppy dog eyes. But at that point in the film, it's genuinely significant for me because in the beginning of the film, they said, let's all be friends. Or mm-hmm. let's say whatever happens, let's all be friends. And at that point in the film, that whole idea of friendship, it just seems so distant. Like, the characters have changed so much in this period of time. Yeah. That the characters that they were in the beginning of the film, it, there's a genuine marked progression there. And I thought that was a genuinely impressive point in the film because it was really uh, a moment for the audience to take a second and think how have the characters, how far have the characters come in the last, well, only about 60 minutes of film, but in however long in movie time. That scene really stood out to me, and I thought it was very high quality. Yeah, that, yeah, I totally agree. It says uh, a lot without saying very much. Now, I want to talk about the ending of the film, if you mm-hmm. want to, if you're ready. Sure. Okay, so this is how the movie ends. They, a bunch of people die, Dizzy dies, um, they, they have to make their final push. They're trying to get the brain bug that is capturing all their secrets and doing all this stuff okay um carmen crashes after her ship is hit and then um rika goes to save her um and he saves her from the brain bug um they lose a couple more guys but they get out alive and they find out that the brain bug um gets captured by uh sergeant zim who earlier in the film was told you're gonna have to be bussed down to private for you to see actual combat which he does he he goes all the way down to private just so he can fight (laughs) um and then the movie says okay we got the brain bug um and then everyone's celebrating happy there's a great scene where they show the brain bug in the lab and they're just probing it with these just giant needles (laughs) they they put they put like one of those needles into like his hole where his proboscis is or where it used to be before they cut it off. And then they put a little sensor bar over it because it's, <laughs> it's just too much. 
And I mean, it is very evocative of certain bodily functions. It's a sphincter, <laughs> okay, guys? Yeah. You'll see it if you see the movie. Um, and then you're supposed to delight in that. And then the movie, everybody's cheering. And then the movie shows them as servicemen, like in a propaganda clip. And then the movie ends, okay? This is a very good ending, in my opinion. The reason why is because, as I said, the first half of the film, it has levity. Um, you know, it's a farce. And then the back half of the film, I was almost worried. Because what I thought was the film was just going to devolve into action and kind of get away from itself. But what they've done, and I think for Hoven, and I think this is extremely clever, is what he's done is that he's now framed the movie with this last little bit of propaganda. Basically, he's framed the whole movie as like a propaganda film. And mm-hmm. you begin to even question, are these events that sincerely happen, or is this all something that they orchestrated as a big promotion, some triumph of the will or why, they f- or why we fight type deal? Um, and to me, that really adds another dimension to the film because, once again, some people might call it cope, but you can take the cheesier aspects and the wooden acting and so on and so forth, and you can chalk that up to the fact that you know people who make propaganda films generally are not terribly savvy or at least concerned with artistic integrity or realism. So I really liked the ending for that reason because it kind of casts doubt on everything you just watched and it really makes you think and it puts a nice little bow on the whole satirical package. Yeah, I really like that ending. Um, I really like after they catch the brain bug, Neil Patrick Harris walks up and he mind melds with it and he goes... It's afraid! And they'll go, yeah! That's just so funny. Because, you know, um, you think, oh, they'll they'll be humane about it. If it's it's scared, maybe there's a reason. But it's afraid, yes! We're beating it! Woo-hoo-hoo! That whole whole scene just killed me the first time. It's it's very dark comedy. Mm, It is, yeah. Like, it's, don't think that it's a comedy like some guy trips on a banana peel and you go, whoopsie. Or like like a satire like Borat is. It's it's much... It's, um, it is, it's kind of... It's deeper than that. Yeah, like, it just has this thin veneer. So, like, I think most people will watch the film and understand that it's not a promotion of the military or warfare or anything like that. But, like, I really think that all the major aspects of the film are really contributing to this idea and that it's it's a holistic picture in that regard because you should really take it as a whole and think of each aspect and how it really makes this movie a very good, you know, critique, I guess, of the the military and and the military industrial complex and all that jazz and the idea of war begetting war because we need war because it's <laughs> good business i suppose yeah it it just seems like it's just a fascist tactic they they you know they talk about the 1984 just a never-ending war it's 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 that just the bugs an asteroid came from the bugs let's kill them like they're obvious there wasn't any attempt at communication um and it was just probably them living you know the the bug that can shoot its spores out probably just you know reproduction and then if that hits an asteroid i mean it it doesn't know that it's just trying to shoot its spores um but a a fascistic state is gonna think oh that wasn't a deliberate attack their enemy let's get them and you know that's just another layer to it I'm from Buenos Aires, and I say kill them all. <laughs> okay? That's what I think. Nationalism right there. There's a lot of great quotes in the movie. Yep. Uh, I love my city, and I'll die for it. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Violence is... What do they say? Uh, hold on. Let me find... I want to find the exact quote. Violence is the supreme authority. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Mr. Ratchek preaches that. He says, all yeah. human, he says, um, all conflicts end with violence. Why do you think that is? What's well, a great solution? Uh, that stuff is funny, too. It's all good. My only problem with the movie is that it 
feels like it's rushing to the finish line at the end. You know what? I can kind of agree. Like, I think the movie, um, I think it's paced okay. I actually think they could have maybe cut a little bit of this. Um, I tend to find like a movie like this is more suited to the 90 minute slot than the hour, than the 120 minute slot. And the, just the idea that you don't want it to wear thin, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I can see how this could wear thin for people. I didn't think it was too big of a deal, but I think it could have been trimmed a little bit. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not that like, I think, um, it was front heavy or anything, just, they introduce a brain bug. They go. They start the mission. Carmen gets. Um, Carmen gets captured. They go looking for her. They find her. Uh, f- they have a fight. The brain bug is- escapes, and then no, it didn't. They caught it. It maybe it was just there was so much in that short amount of time. And then they drag stuff out later in the front. Maybe you're right then. It could be trimmed a bit. Who knows? But it felt uh, it felt a, bit, a little rushed at the end. I can see that. Another thing, and like this isn't really a fault of the film, because I understand why the, the war doesn't just end at the end of the film. There's a reason for that. But I was almost like, when, I was, when we were at the point where it was like, like, I kind of looked at the little time, and I was like, oh, shit, there's only, like, ten minutes left in this movie. Like, this is yeah. the end of the movie. Yeah, I agree in that regard. Maybe it could have been a little bit more even, story-wise. But, yeah, that's um, that's all I have for it. That's all I have, uh, too. I mean, it's a good film. Um, maybe even a great film. I honestly enjoyed this a lot, uh... If you don't like this movie, then you know what? You need to wake up and give your head a shake. That's what I think. Okay? Because if I'm giving it big bags, then you should too. Lucas, are you ready for bags? Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten bags. Wow. Incredible. Big <laughs> score coming from Lucas. Um, me personally, it's got to be four out of five bags. Classic. I'll put a little... I'm going to put a tasteful amount of popcorn. However, what I'm going to do is I'm going to not double layer it, just single layer it so that when you're watching the movie and or at least in the previews and you get that first little bit of popcorn, you're not just going to have like buttery, greasy hands for the rest of the film. (laughs) You're going to get in there, enjoy the popcorn. And then when you hit that butter layer, it's really going to invigorate things because, you know, you get to that point where you get through half the bag and you're like, man, should I even finish this? And you do, of course, <laughs> but you really end up regretting it. Um, that, that's the fine line I try to ride. So, uh, yeah, that's four to five bags. <laughs> Beautiful. Good movie. Good movie. Do you have a movie you want to do next week? No, I think it's your turn because I got two picks. All right, I said we'd uh, wait, and I think we've waited long enough. I think next week we'll do Scanners, <laughs> the uh, uh, 1991 movie, Scanners. So, yeah, we'll do that. Uh, is Scanners the one where that guy's head explodes? Classic, yep. That's classic. I have seen that many times um, as a GIF. I remember it always be recommended to me on YouTube. I used to watch like just a ton of movie clips on YouTube, so that I always saw the thumbnail of his head exploding. Like, all right, let's watch it. it it's not even a spoiler, really. It's um, it happens pretty early in the movie, so don't worry about that. I'm excited about this one. I mean, it's a Cronenberg classic. I mean, you know. I haven't seen any bad movies with him. I actually haven't seen that many of his movies, honestly. You've seen Videodrome, though. Is that one good? Mm-hmm. Nice. I like it a lot. Videodrome, The Fly. Uh, it's from beyond him. I think it is. Uh, let me see. Let me see. I don't see it on his Wikipedia page. He did a naked lunch movie. I didn't know that. That's weird. 
did a movie called Crash, but it's not the Crash that people famously do not like that won Best Picture. He did that. He did this Crash eight years before that Crash. Oh, From Beyond is by Stuart Gordon, but it has Jeffrey Combs in it. Um, wait, who's in Reanimator? That wasn't... No, that has no connection. No, I don't know. I don't know why I thought it was him. But it also has Ken Foray, so... Or Foray. Anyways, he's in it. I think it'll be a good one, you know. <laughs> you know, Sci-Fi Month is over, but, you know, we'll throw a bone for, for all you <laughs> Sci-Fi fans out there. Hey, here's one more. Bonus bag. <laughs> 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 uh let's quickly give bags to neon genesis evangelion okay let's give bags okay for the show or for the movie well first we'll do the show which we finished and then we yeah. also watched one of the three movies the end of evangelion so both please uh you want me to go first yeah uh the show's great honestly it's a really 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 great show um you know there's a lot of talk, I guess, about the... Okay, well, okay. you know what? The last two episodes, I don't think they're that great, okay? I what? think the movie is really an amendment of that. Okay. okay. In hindsight, like, the more I get away from those episodes, like... Think of, like, if there was no end of Evangelion. Imagine how disappointed you would be. I would be... Well, it... it okay. I don't think the ending's bad. Okay, if you haven't watched a show, just skip goodbye end of the episode for you we're gonna talk about it yeah okay the ending is not it it can't exist without or it's not whole without the end of evangelion but neither the movie isn't whole without the last two episodes because the last two episodes they flash at things that they have to explain like it shows um that misato's dead it showed that um what's this scientist lady's name Uh, Ritsuko Uh, yeah shows that she's dead as well you have no idea why uh, but you need the movie to see that Um, and the movie without like it kind of that's the uh, that's the worst part of the movie is that it doesn't have the last two episodes in it which is all of their little psychoanalysis of themselves um, Shinji, the big one, and then he rejects instrumentality, and he comes back down to Earth with Asuka. Without that, the end of Evangelion is, you're like, huh? Wait, what? Because he joins with Lilith, yeah, and then kind of just, you get some things there, and then poop, he's pooped out on, uh, on Earth with Asuka, and you're like, that's weird. Ray crashes down. You need you need both of them. I think the show like it wraps up the sh- show well, um, but maybe not all of the characters super well. Um, but the whole thing is this this um, journey with Shinji and how he <laughs> is really sad and needs uh, to get a girlfriend. Yada yada yada. At the end of that, we see that he finally accepts himself for who he is. And, you know, even if there's pain, at least you can be happy. Blah, blah, blah. And that was really important. But, yeah, it doesn't, like, he, <laughs> they're just, like, instrumentality is starting. And, and then you just see these acid trip visuals, line yeah. drawings. Um, I, like, it's, it's a okay ending. I kind of cope with it. Like, in my opinion, the end of Evangelion is required viewing. It, I, well, I agree. Like, you have to... Well, yeah, you have to watch it. I mean, that's, that's like, my only, like, real problem with the, with the whole thing is that, like... I mean, if you take the episodes together and you take the movie, then it's, like, nice. But, like, this, this is, like, a five-bag ba- show. And then, like, it just slips up a little bit at the ending. And it, like, you, you're you just missing that perfect 10. It, the, I still give the movie a 10 because, for me, it's not like they wanted the show. The show got rushed. They, I know. It's, it's like a production thing. Like, I, I understand that, like, it's kind of out of their control, I guess. But, like, I mean, shit, like, I mean, they got screwed. Yeah, I mean, 
yeah, the show was supposed to be even more, like, longer. It had 17 angels. It was supposed to have, like, 28 originally or something. They don't even, like, flesh out, uh, what, what was that character's name? He disappears for one episode, and then he's the angel created by Adam. He's the dude. I, I forget, but he was supposed to be a, a bigger character because he's using promotional, um, advertisements and stuff, but... Yeah, nothing happens with him. Nothing happens with Unit 4. It just blows up. It kind of sucks that it did get rushed. But I think the ending of the show and the movie are fine. Yeah, I think the movie is a, a 10 bagger. Like, the animation alone is so good. It is, yeah. I mean, that's... that. Uh, it, it just isn't it great when they get a lot of money for the animation. Oh, yeah, baby. And, and it just hits... I haven't seen the Bebop movie, but now I'm excited for that. Just for the production values alone. I mean, the shows already look good, but damn, damn, that extra sheen. I got that feeling, especially as a kid watching, like, the Pokemon anime and then the Pokemon movies. Yeah, yeah. Was, Ooh, yeah. It's like, it's like a whole... I got that one. I got that from watching Spongebob and then the Spongebob movie. Oh, yeah, big time. But it looks pretty good. That movie still looks good. I would. It looks good to this day. If I have to give bags, like, uh, yeah, I'll give the show five out of five. Like, uh, qualms with the ending aside, it is what it is. Like, I'm not gonna fault them for that. The show is great. All the characters are great. Um, the action. It, it's just such. It's a remarkable show. Honestly, uh, it really lived up to the hype for me. I think this is. I mean, it, I've seen like very few anime. This is my favorite anime right now, uh, of all time. Same. But, um, I give the show. I give the show five out of five bags. I give the movie four out of five. It's a damn good series, guys. Yeah, it's I, it's one of the most adult pieces of media I've ever seen. It is. It's very mature, um, and I guess you know, that's also kind of a meme. Like, oh, it's mature anime, but I mean, come on, <laughs> it's just a real deal, guys. Okay. It's, it didn't talk down to you. Not at all. It's good. I love the editing and the show so much. They do, like, these snap cuts. Like, uh, I forget what episode it was exactly. Maybe 17, something like that. The characters are like, oh, I hope this test goes well today. Yeah. Hard cuts. Uh, sirens are going off. A unit's not responding. Like they do that sort of stuff all the time. I th I really love the soundtrack. Uh, if I ever see it on vinyl, I'll definitely get it because all the songs are so good. Um, the thing that sucks with anime is that people that watch it are really horny, and whenever I look for art for anime, it's just Rule Thirty Four stuff. Or it's just stupid art of characters. Like, if I, don't, if I look up, like, Neon Genesis poster, I don't want Rei and Asuka kissing or Shinji peeing the bed. I need, like... I want that. <laughs> I want real good art. You have these colorful robots, and you guys are simping over Rei. It's embarrassing. Um, but, yeah, yeah. show show's so good. So good. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I don't know why those guys overseas are so horny. I mean, <laughs> oh shit! I don't know. It's people here too, man. You ever been to an anime convention? What? what? No, <laughs> I haven't. Maybe that's for the best. It's for the best. <laughs> All right, it is what it is. This is the culture. I won't critique it too much, but uh, a great show. Um, don't say inappropriate things about cartoon teenagers. Don't talk about them as your waifu. It's greasy. It, and that, yeah, like, so people greasy. cooling over Asuka, like, literally 14. They stated in the show, and there's no media of her after End of Evangelion. That's the end of the universe. The NGE universe. She's 14, guys. She's not 900-year-old ghost in that picture. <laughs> No, dude, but, like, wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me go to the wiki for a second. Hold on, hold on. <laughs> oh, my God. I ordered this great model kit of uh, Unit 02. I'm so excited to do that. Oh, my God. 
gonna paint it oh yeah i've never painted a model kit before so but i really want to do it well so i got um some mr surfacer uh to prime it and then some tamiya spray paints and i have a glossy top coat because i really want these colors to pop yeah um the model stuff it looks fun i mean you, you should post a pic to the cop instagram when it's done yeah, I, we should post uh, something to the cop uh, Instagram account because it's been a minute. Whoops. <laughs> Whoopsies. Sorry, guys. You Bad guys, lives. look, it ha I'm so busy just on a daily basis. Like, <laughs> I, you know, sometimes I just, I don't even get to sit down and eat, you know, <laughs> just run here, run here, run there. It's just, we got a lot to, we got a lot to do. We were, we talked about hiring a social media manager but the problem is that we don't we don't we want it to be we want to be direct with you guys we don't want that kind of <laughs> that kind of barrier you know where you're talking to somebody who will talk to us um so we're gonna do it ourselves even if we have to miss post okay <laughs> and you can chalk that up to just our dedication to authenticity <laughs> that's all there is to it um and the other thing i'll say i did this with dawn of the dead so i'll keep this tradition going there is an upcoming blu-ray release of neon genesis because after i finished the movie i'm like okay i gotta cop this uh, i hadn't seen this show since like high school but it's been so long i pretty much have i forgot most of it i remember like the first few episodes and then after that i was like oh right oh yeah yeah okay after something was revealed like i totally forgot it uh so i was like okay we're going to check this out, find a Blu-ray. There aren't any. There's never been a Blu-ray cut of it, just DVDs. Lame. But G-Kids now has the rights for it, and I think that's why you can't download any Neon Genesis off of Netflix because Netflix doesn't have the rights to it, I think, something like that. But G-Kids has the rights, rights to publish it now, so... Blu-rays are supposed to be coming in 2021. They said in 2020. Um, if COVID will let this happen, that will be great. If not, we'll see it in 2022. But yeah, they're doing Blu-ray releases of the 26 episode TV series and the two movies, Death, True Squared, and The End of Evangelion. So I'm looking forward to that. That'll be good. That'll be good to have the whole set. Would you ever mm -hmm. watch, or do you ever plan to watch the rebuilds, which are, I, I, nope. in, to my understanding, are from the same creator, like remakes or retellings of this original story? Maybe I'll watch one day. Um, I have zero reason to when I have th these great episodes and movie. Yeah, I mean, the story's told pretty well. I mean, maybe he he had a little bit of um regret over the ending not being as cohesive as he wanted i don't know what the deal is it's it's a good story i mean i i would have just let it be but i mean it's a big it's a franchise now and i mean it's a big deal so no, do you like not. sorry go ahead i might check it out sorry you were saying do you like the ending of the anime better when it's them all saying congratulations or the end where it's him and Asuka on a beach and she says disgusting and the movie ends? Um, like, I like that one, actually. It, <laughs> that one feels more in line with the tone of the series. Like, the, the congratulations scene, like, it's just supposed to be Shinji and he's, and he's coming to peace with himself. And he's getting what he always wanted, which is everyone's praise and affection. Mm -hmm. And I, I like that, but then it's just, <laughs> it's a little goofy almost. <laughs> like that doesn't, that to me, like thematically doesn't work as well as when you have this a, a semi-ambiguous scene where he just, they wash up on the beach, he chokes her, she says disgusting, or I feel sick or whatever, uh, depending on the translation, I think. And then... Uh, the show ends or the friend like the story ends i i think that honestly fits better yeah the what she says i don't know what the what it is in japanese but what it literally translates to is bad feeling so 
people just kind of take well that's what you have to do with translations but they kind of take some artistic uh swings with it but i think so when you watch it it said i feel sick i can't remember what happened well you know what i did was after i was done watching i went to go see you know a little little explanation Mm. and they gave that uh it gave like disgusting i feel sick i read what you read which is that the exact word doesn't have like a direct translation in english that neatly fits but it's significant of course because the last thing said in the series and it's the only Mm -hmm. thing said in the final scene yeah i think that's just a great ending i i'm still trying to figure out what i really think is meant by that Mm -hmm. um like i don't know if that is her being like serious because like she she caresses his his face and then he starts crying and then she says discussing i i don't know if that's her being pissed that like he didn't commit to it he's not strong enough to commit to it um if it's because she saw that he jacked off to her in the hospital um i don't know if that's because there's a scene where he says like can you talk to me help me please like call me an idiot and call me disgusting and then she calls him disgusting there i don't know i really don't know you know what i think i i like that ending because there's actually there's a number the story is layered enough that you can you can come to your own conclusion about it i think the ambiguity was deliberate um i have a couple of theories but i you know when it whenever an ending like that when there's an ending like that, I don't like to think this is what's going on. I mean, I like to have a couple of theories bouncing around, but I really enjoy just ruminating on an ambiguous ending and what it means. I don't know. Like, you know, when you watch like a Nolan movie or something, like you're watching Inception, okay? Does the top spin over? Okay, you can go on YouTube and find that out. <laughs> and YouTube will, t- okay, YouTube might tell you no. But isn't it just better not to know? Yeah. And doesn't... Almost always, in a movie that has an ambiguous ending like that, like Inception, like American Psycho, the the fact that you don't know for certain, the uncertainty itself, makes it a better ending than if it was conclusive or fits better with the film. You feel? Yeah. Yeah. That's my piece. Yeah, definitely. There was a a cliff an ambiguous ending in the third season of Fargo and the I forget it was the director or writer. They were like, You you can pick which ending uh what happens at the end. And like people and me too, I find myself sometimes like I have to, the creator has to tell me what the meaning is or I'm like I'm unhappy. Um like there has to be in the liner notes somewhere he says what it really means um but yeah i agree at the end of the day it is nicer to to just think hmm, what about this what about that it doesn't have to be a concrete thing there's a great quote or there was um i can't remember okay this is what it was have you ever heard of the story or the novel the big sleep it's like this it's like this noir novel um, no it's it's famous there was a movie about it it's basically it's just like a classic, like hard-boiled crime noir novel by Raymond Chandler, and he was he was a famous author. And I love this. I love this quote because what happened was the book came out as a huge success, and someone came after up to him after, and they were like, "Hey, this all makes sense, um, except this one thing: who killed the chauffeur here?" <laughs> and then Raymond Chandler thought, and he said, "I genuinely do not know." <laughs> And that, that's just a little anecdote that just goes to show, like, I mean, like, people, people always think, like, when I, when I see a director get asked a question, like, what happens in the ending? And they're like, haha, you decide. I, people see that as, like, them withholding what they secretly know, <laughs> as if they're the gods of these universes. No, they just wrote a story, they wrote an ending, and then, like, they honestly probably don't know or it doesn't matter to them. Or, as I said, they just delight in the ambiguity of it all. That's the thing. 
That's how people are with David Lynch. They're like, please, tell me what a razorhead means. And you're just like, mm, no. Like, you want a David Lynch to tell you, like, you want... If if you're watching a Lynch movie and you're and you want him to explain it to you, Lynch makes a movie for you to interpret, and I bet all he wants is f- to make you feel something, and whatever you think about it is what you think about it. Like he doesn't yeah. have like a, you're supposed to get this. Like, <laughs> David Lynch is like the epitome of that, where it's like it, it's I'm making it, but it's your art now. Yeah. You know, once I put it out, that it's not mine anymore. Yeah. <laughs> it must suck to just hear the same question all the goddamn time. <laughs> Uh, Mr. Lynch, I know you get this a lot, but was, um, the baby in Eraserhead, like, um, was that a prequel to E.T.? Because it looked similar, <laughs> and when I compared the physiologies, um, there were some striking resemblances. Uh, I asked him that at Comic-Con one time, and, uh, they kicked me out. Uh, and I sat on the curb, and George Lucas came out, and he said, it's okay, he didn't look at my Wookiee costume. <laughs> And uh, it was a good time. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, good show. Uh, next week, we will do Scanners, and then we'll go from there. Capiche? Ye- sounds good to me. Thanks for joining me, Matt. Thanks for joining me, listeners. Until next time, bye bye. If you enjoyed anything you heard today, make sure to stay tuned for weekly episodes available for streaming on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and umfm.com. And don't forget to follow our Instagram page at COP Podcast.